Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to complete our study of matters related to the Adoniram Committee on Human Sexuality. We're grateful for the General Assembly passed, and we pray that uh, fruit would come from that assembly that would be for Christ's glory and for the good of the church. We thank you for all who labored to make that possible. And we pray that tonight you'd help us to um, both consider your providence with respect to our denomination and to think further about how we can be useful to Jesus in relationship uh, to those who suffer with, from same-sex attraction. And uh, we pray all of this for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, um, two parts to our discussion this evening. I'm going to review all of the actions of the 48th General Assembly with respect to same-sex attraction. Um, and if you have if you have access to the handout I sent out uh, now, that'll help you because I'm going to be referring to text there. It'll be easier for you to see than to simply hear. Um, and then after we do that, I'm going to um, look at some of the last few lines of the report about practical application and try and draw our attention to some things, at least, that uh, may be valuable for us. So first, the review of the actions. I'm going to um, put a link in the chat. Um, and send it if I can. There. Um, this is a link to a recording of the opening worship service of the General Assembly. If you want to find it easily and have a pencil, you can write this down. You'll, the uh, uh, part where the um, retiring moderator speaks is on 2710. 27:10. The tradition is to open the assembly with a um, uh, worship service, and the retiring moderator always addresses the assembly during the worship service. Um, a fellow SJC member and good friend, Howie Donahue, was the f- moderator for the 47th assembly, and so he's the one who had that responsibility. And... Um, he led us in a meditation on Luke 23:43, the words of Jesus on the cross addressed to the dying thief with him. Truly I say unto you, you will be with me in par- today you will be with me in paradise. Um, well, at least in my experience, the bane of the ruling moderator's address is that too often the speaker falls to the temptation to speak on the major issues troubling the assembly in order to try and sort it all out. Um, It almost never works. Howie wonderfully resisted that temptation, calling the commissioners to, for a few moments, to look away from the hurly-burly of our present circumstances, to take a deep breath and have a transcendent vision of our hope to be with Jesus in his heavenly glory. It's a grand address in and of itself, and I can't but help but think, um, seeing all of this from the perspective of eternity, uh, was a kind of, had a kind of uh, 
calming effect on the assembly because, um, at least in my judgment, it was nowhere near as volatile as it might have been. Uh, I'm just remembering now that those who've just come on may not have access to that um, chat link that I sent uh, because you weren't here when it went out. So I'm going to do it again just in case. In any case, um, I I hope you'll have an opportunity to listen to it. And in the course of it, uh, be sure to listen carefully for a commendation of our senior pastor's labors. Uh, That was a wonderful moment. So, um, the actions of the assembly uh, that followed. Um, The first thing that was of note for us is on Wednesday, June 30th, the Adoniram Committee on Human Sexuality made its report. Um, the, uh, they were to be early in the afternoon. They ended up being quite late in the afternoon. We were almost two hours behind uh, from the very beginning. Um, but uh, they reported for about, well, a little longer than what they were scheduled for. They were scheduled for an hour and 15 minutes. Um And let me get uh, to that document, if I can. Um, And I'll... uh, No, that's not it. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, uh, here's a link to the recording um, and this one starts on um, two colon zero five colon four five the um, and it, it was interesting I, I, and there's a very long section where uh, pastor Tim Keller and pastor um, uh, Kevin de Young had a dialogue back and forth on the 12 statements, and then there followed much briefer comments on the part of the rest of the committee. Um, I don't know whether it's worth your time, because you've already spent so much time with the text of that report, Um, but uh, in any case, you could dip in a little and see what the conversation was about. Um, The next thing to draw your attention to was that the assembly, on a voice vote, answered Overture 38, uh, which was to commend the Human Sexuality Report in, an affirm- in the affirmative. That's the way they talk about saying yes or no, in the affirmative. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have a counted vote for this. I don't know what uh, the moderator was thinking at that point, but, but to give you a sense of its reception, in the Overtures Committee, the vote was 124 in favor, three against, and three abstaining. So it was very warmly received by the whole 
assembly. There was not really any discussion of it on the floor. And so um, I think that uh, you um, could take it that it made a great impression on the whole church. The grounds for commending it and then publishing it by our denominational publishing uh, was that it... uh, it's a biblically faithful work by gifted churchmen within the PCA. It is the most useful resource concerning the apologetic and pastoral task surrounding gender and sexuality confusion in the PCA and the broader culture. So that was, uh, to my mind, a very gratifying moment. Um, then we get to the uh, two overtures, which um, put in a more permanent form some of the elements of the report, although not, in my judgment, successfully in both cases. Um, The Assembly voted to answer Overture 23, which was to amend the Book of Church Order in Chapter 16 by adding a clause which prohibits ordination for men who self-identify as gay Christians and so on. Um, The vote... Uh, passing the overture was quite by a large large margin, uh, 1,438 to 417. You'll see, however, that it was passed as amended, and the amendment pretty remarkably uh, modified the original. The overture itself um, uh, wanted to amend a chapter of the Book of Church Order that really wasn't relevant to this point, and all they wanted to ha- have is a sentence. Men who self-identify as, quote, gay Christian, quote, same-sex attracted Christian, uh, quote, homosexual Christian, or the like terms shall not be deemed qualified for ordination in the Presbyterian Church in America. Now, in committee, um, the first vote on this, with some modifications, was 88-38 to 2. Uh, among those 38, uh, there were men who wanted to file a minority report. That is a report that would come up with a different recommendation. And we, at that point on the floor of the assembly, would go into formal uh, proceedings in a debate um, where the uh, uh, committee would present its report, the minority would present its report as a substitute motion, and then we would have an hour debate. Um, however, in the course of preparing the minority report, uh, the fellows there con- consulted, as I understand it, several times with representatives of the committee's report, and they began to think that perhaps they had some uh, more, uh, uh, that they were closer to the subject than they had otherwise thought. And so, in a somewhat remarkable event, the Overtures Committee was called back into a session and um, they proposed a new recommendation, not what the committee had passed, not what the minority had wanted altogether, but it's what you see on line 34, the overture as amended. And on that second vote, the vote was 106 in favor, 12 against and zero abstaining. So you can see it was a remarkable 
uh, turn of mind for all of the men on the committee to come uh, to a much stronger unity over this new language. And it is a much improved piece of work and I think um, would serve the church well. Um, and they found a new chapter and that it's much more suited to the chapter it's in chapter 16 rather than 17. But you see there, the provision is this. Officers in the Presbyterian Church in America must be above reproach in their walk and Christ-like in their character. Those who profess an identity, parentheses, such as, but not limited to, gay, Christian, uh, same-sex attracted Christian, homosexual Christian, or like terms, that undermines or contracts their identity as a new, as new creations in Christ, either by, and then there are three conditions where this would, uh, identified, where this would come to pass. Now you see the improvement already. The thing that came up really was about terms, not behaviors of people. Um, and now what it's saying is that um, these terms are only problematic if they reflect, and here on 39, line 39, reflect either denying the sinfulness of fallen desires, such as, but not limited to, same-sex attraction, denying the reality and hope of progressive sanctification, or by failing to pursue spirit-empowered victory over their sinful temptations, inclinations, and actions are not qualified for ordained office. So, you see, here we really get to the substance of the issue, not over what terms you're using, but if those terms are being used in some way that violates these three principles, which are all sound principles articulated, not in these words, but certainly throughout the committee's report, well, then that would disqualify you from uh, ordination uh, to being an elder, deacon, or uh, uh, pastor. So, um, this, I thought, was a remarkable um, time in the assembly, and um, it seemed as if the Spirit worked powerfully to both uh, alleviate the need for a majority, uh, a committee and minority report debate, which is quite quite time-consuming time on the floor, and it was very warmly, um, uh, as you can see, uh, adopted by the assembly itself. Uh, by about a thousand votes. So let me stop there for a minute and see if anyone has a question thus far before I press on into the last item we'll cover. Um, hold on, let me get back to that screen so I can see you and if you're trying to get my attention. Anybody a question or comment? Dave, may I ask? Um do you know what those voting in the negative, was there an obvious thing that they thought was lacking or perhaps included that shouldn't be included, or maybe there were a whole bunch of different reasons? I was just curious. I, I, I think there were some who favored uh, something more robust and I think there were some who favored not doing anything at all. I'd have been perfectly content not to do anything at all, for example. 
but I was impressed by this, so I voted for it. But I think our book's perfectly sound on this point right now, and it really doesn't need this help. But if the brothers, I was certainly willing to support this if the if there were brothers who thought it was needed, um, and uh, because they had put it in a form that I, I thought was um, perfectly suitable. But I, I couldn't guess more than that, Paul. Sorry. That's helpful. Thanks. Any other questions or comments or observations? All right. Well, let's press on. Now, this is where uh, I wasn't uh, happy uh, at all (laughs) with what the brothers did. Um, The assembly voted to answer Overture 37, which was two amendments, amendment to the chapter that governs the ordination of ministers and uh, to the chapter that governs the uh, ordination of elders and deacons. And what they wanted to do is clarify uh, the requirements for church office. Uh, And it was uh, not as vigorously uh, uh, voted on, but still by a pretty large margin, uh, 1130 to 692. You can see in both cases there were fewer uh, favoring and uh, many more opposed to it. Um, there was also a minority report, and this one they did have to have the debate. So the, the, the overtures amended was put on the floor. The minority had a, a, a version that was different than this. Um, and the, uh, the, but the minority report failed. Uh, 1,209 to 617. Um, Now, the um, if you look on the next page, the overture as amended, this is what passed. And I'm only going to address the first one because they're uh, exactly the same in each case. There are two, uh, or I mean three, I should say, serious defects to this. Um, The one is that um, down on, uh, um, or excuse me, I guess we ought to start at the top. Uh, The one is uh, with respect to um, the language on line four, giving specific attention to potentially notorious concerns. Um, now, that is just garbled language for uh, a rule. Um, the phrase, give specific attention to potentially notorious concerns, is confusing because the words potentially and notorious, as they're commonly defined, this would have us give attention to concerns that have the capacity to become well-known for some bad quality. And that seems to mean we're required to judge people now on the basis of our speculation as to what will be. And that's a very odd uh, position to take. Uh, The second is in what follows um, the laundry list. Uh, relational sins, I'll say in passing, I don't even know what relational sins refers to. Uh, sexual immorality, including homosexuality, ch- child sexual abuse, 
fornication and pornography, addictions, abusive behavior, racism, and financial mismanagement. Now, this was amended uh, to include some of these things in the list. And here's the problem when you have a laundry list like this that's part of a rule. Now, they try and qualify it. They say uh, limited, uh, such as, but not limited to. They're meant to be exemplary. But whenever you put a list like this in a rule, the question is always, well, are there more things or not? And if there are more, why are these more important than the things that aren't listed? Do these have some special significance that other things that weren't brought into the list? It it introduces a significant amount of uncertainty in that, how it's to be interpreted. Um, the, the last thing, and this is the thing that uh, is fatal, is on uh, line 11. Um, While imperfections will remain, he must not be known by reputation or self-profession according to his remaining sinfulness, but rather by the work of the Holy Spirit in uh, Christ Jesus. Now, um, the... Uh, This, um, let's imagine the presbytery, they're going to have to have some way of checking both broadly the person's reputation uh, or his self-profession to see what he's saying about himself and whether he is known according to his remaining sinfulness rather than the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's imagine, for example, that Rosaria Butterfield, uh, the woman who was a lesbian and then came to know Christ and, um, and has done wonderful work in talking about her testimony. Let's imagine she was a man. This sentence, it seems, would exclude her from office. Uh, because she is surely known uh, by reputation and by her self-profession uh, according to the remaining sinfulness. And that just seems uh, passing strange. More importantly, and this was what I thought was one of the saddest moments of the assembly, a, uh, ruling elder uh, Kyle Keating from Missouri Presbytery was a member of the Ad Interim Committee on Human Sexuality. And in the report on Wednesday, he spoke about how the fact that he has had and does have to battle with same-sex attraction. He's married, he has children, but um, he spoke about himself that way. And um, he made a speech near the very end of the debate on this And here's an excerpt from it. He said, I stood on the stage with several men as a part of the Ad Interim Committee on Human Sexuality. And myself and one other of those men described in brief the reality of our stories that we have and do experience same-sex attraction. I have heard from many speakers that these overtures and this language is not intended to apply to certain subset of people if they jump through the right hoops. But the language in these overtures is far too vague to actually communicate that. 
Quote, known by self-profession for remaining sinfulness? That could mean a number of things. And to be honest, it could possibly mean that what I did on the podium yesterday, I don't believe it was the intent of those who put forth these overtures to disqualify men like me from ordained office. I think, however, that these overtures are worded in a way that they could very well be used to accomplish that purpose. Does the body really wish to put this language in our book of church order that could potentially be used to disqualify men in good standing who are a part of the kind of work that put together this report on human sexuality? In my judgment, that speech really should have carried the day. But unfortunately, it was very late at night we were exhausted. We'd been working for hours and hours. And uh, it was very poor time to even take those matters up. We finished uh, on Thursday night at about one. Uh, but as you can see, that speech uh, apparently made no difference whatsoever in the mind of the assembly. Um, so let me pause there and see if you have... Now, in each case, uh, the two overtures... The Assembly's action was just the first step. Uh, Next, the presbyteries will all have to um, look at the overtures and vote whether they uh, ratify or not. It will take um, two-thirds of, I think it's a simple majority of the presbytery, um, of the presbyteries, to put them before the next General Assembly and then the General Assembly has to vote one more time. I think maybe it's two-thirds of the presbyteries and uh, uh, a majority of each assembly. Uh, I'm going to check that quickly, but let me. I'm going to pause again and see if anyone has a question about anything that I've said. And just speak up, because I'm not able to look at your uh, <laughs> uh, hands right now. Based on your, your comment there, uh, I guess you, your hope is is that uh, um, logic will prevail in the presbyteries and they'll actually won't pass it already required. Yes, that's right. It is two-thirds, and that, that's what I certainly am hoping for, that uh, uh, two-thirds of the presbyteries don't ratify the action so that it... Uh, and you said it was like 1,100 to 690 or something like that, or... Um, so not quite, not quite two to one. So maybe like sixty forty or something. Yeah, eleven thirty to six ninety two. Dave, to that end, uh, the last sentence of this overture should give every presbytery pause because I, I, I mean, I'm no expert, but a presbytery to appoint a committee to conduct detailed examinations of these matters. I, I mean, such an examination would, I mean, it, it would be very difficult to do. Oh, yeah, Bill. Very time-consuming. Yeah, and you make a great, uh, this is, that was the last I was going to bring up, but I didn't want to get too much inside baseball. But, uh, you know, some of the men, we don't have the right uh God has made us so that we have an inner life 
that only he and I have access to. And that inner life then, when it makes its way outward in some form or another, belongs to the community in some sense. But for example, we, we would never have the right to make a rule. Every man who comes to a presbytery meeting can't be seated for the meeting until he confesses publicly all his sins since the last time we met. That would be horrifying intrusion into the conscience and into the place where God has intended just for you and he to have access. And um, this sounds very inquisitorial. Uh, And as you say, time consuming. But that's a great point, Bill. Other comments or questions or... All right. Well, seeing none, I'll leave uh, that off. Um, I will have an assembly report uh, for uh, the congregation uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, probably during the uh, discussion time. Um, But uh, you'll have a leg up on that. You won't have to listen when I get to that. uh, Otherwise, this is some of the most important things that happened at the assembly, certainly the most time-consuming. Well, let's use the time we have left. Um, uh, In in some of the last lines of the report, uh, the committee's report, um, they say... Uh, there are and will be many situations to which the principles and perspectives of this report apply. We trust that the godly leaders of local churches and presbyteries determined to declare the truth of Scripture will share the grace of Jesus Christ, and they are best equipped to make uh, such application. And so uh, Wes had suggested that it might be helpful for us to try and make a little bit of a start there Uh, in terms of application. Um, And here, uh, I'm reflecting uh, the good bit of reading I've done off of the bibliography that the committee um, had uh, provided for us, uh, my own experience, and in in some ways, just the application of uh, 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 what fellowship and encouragement believe uh, uh, between believers amounts to, but now specially um, ordered toward uh, trying to extend the love of Christ uh, to those who are struggling with same-sex attraction. So that's what uh, these are, just some helps to, to prepare us to extend the love of Christ to those who are struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, and I, I'm not going to uh, elaborate greatly on it. They're just sort of bullet points, nine of them. Um, But things I think would be important for us, and we can uh, talk more about them at another time if you'd like. Uh, They're pretty much in order of importance, or at least uh, they're in an order that um, uh, moves us forward from one to the next. So the first one, that we need to remember the importance of the doctrine of the image of God as created male and female. Um, That relationship to the fall, 
where part of the image is lost and part retained. And then that in relationship to Christ, where we have the seed of restoration of fullness to the image. And then finally in glory. Uh, When he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That framework is absolutely crucial, uh, both for ourselves and thinking about ourselves, thinking about uh, other believers, and particularly important in wanting to be ready to help same-sex attracted people. So I think that's a a hugely important framework principle that uh, we need to meditate upon, have that be... Uh, create the kind of mental furniture that we need um, to live in this age. Um, Second and related to that, we need to keep in mind that we all suffer under the power of original sin in concupiscence. Uh, We face unwanted desires that we are called to put to death. And it's part of the curse uh, and suffering of being a fallen son or daughter of Adam. Um, And to have a deep conviction that self-righteousness is spiritual death. It's spiritual death for ourselves and it's spiritual death for those that we might want to do some good for because it's repulsive. And you see that nothing arouse the ire of Jesus more than self-righteousness. As Luther is attributed to have said that we're all mere beggars telling other beggars where to find find bread. Uh, So that sensibility is crucial to anyone uh, who would want to help somebody struggling with sin and uh, the sin of same-sex attraction. Thirdly, Anybody wants to stop me along the way, please don't hesitate. Um, Thirdly, we need to keep in mind what we've talked about concerning the complexity and the variety of causes of same-sex attraction. Um, It isn't caused, you remember, by any one thing. It can be caused by many things, more in some than another, And so uh, we should be humbled before the burden that the same-sex attracted bear and um, uh, to be uh, ready to act with patience and uh, and empathy before such a challenging struggle. There's much more that can be said there, but... I hope you'll remember some of the conversations we had, and I'm just highlighting things that seem to me to be very important for our self-consciousness if we want to be useful to somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction. Now, um, uh, this is a slight, uh, <laughs> a, a slight mitigation here. Um, where am I trying to get to here? Um, the uh, having said that, on the other hand, um, 
I don't think this implies um, that we must have an uncritical eye with respect to radical same-sex attracted activists. I, I don't think anything I've said requires that we acquiesce to the hedonistic self-assertion, self-assertion in order to love sinners. Um, And I put in the chat an article by Carl Truman, a professor at Grove City College in First Things from not too long ago called Pitiful Pitiful Pride. And he's offering a critique there of June as the Pride Month. And it's very powerful. I don't think uh, uh, Dr. Truman um, does anything that doesn't fit with the principles that I'm trying to articulate. Because there is not only a pastoral care for folks who are struggling, um, but uh, at the same time, there is a kind of warfare going on here of folk who are aggressively trying to distort um, uh, the the sexuality of the whole culture. And... uh, So if you'd like to see Carl's um, piece, I've just put a link into the chat and you can get an idea of what I'm talking about there. Uh, Fifthly, I think we need to be scrupulous to repudiate, not to tolerate in any sense, cruel jokes or coarse name calling. Repudiate ourselves, repudiate when you're participating with others in conversation. But that be very careful to have respectful and courteous speech uh, with respect to the struggles of folk. Um, Colossians 4, 5 and 6, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Paul says to the Colossians, walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, I, um, I wrote a little article on this subject for Table Talk, and I'm going to put a link to that in the chat where I try to develop more fully the idea that we really have a calling um, to be certain that we've listened well enough to each person we're trying to communicate to that our speech is apt, is well uh, adapted to where that person is. And uh, that may be helpful to you to think about a little more. Um, It's not a very long article, it's only four or five pages. Um, But in any case, uh, to really embrace that calling to walk in wisdom, making the best use of our time as we have the opportunity to talk with other people. Um, Six, we need to be committed to the idea of getting to know a person we're trying to help. Listening sympathetically 
to their life experiences and perspectives. Uh, not quick to speak. We need to listen and understand their experiences and perspectives before we speak, so that when we do speak, we understand how best to speak in a way that is apt and suited to their need. And it may be that at the beginning uh, a relationship with a same-sex attracted person, we're doing way more listening uh, than we are talking. Um, and this seems to be a very important element. Um, and I, I think it's, it doesn't require too penetrating uh, a thought to realize why that might be in this circumstance. Um, sixth, um, that was six. Seventh, um, here, I think we need to, uh, look to offering kindness, friendship, and hospitality to same-sex attractive people who show any desire at all to have a friend who's a Christian in their company. Um, in this, we have a wonderful opportunity to be Christ-like. Uh, you remember Luke 7, 34 to 35. Jesus said, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you, the Pharisees, say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her children. Uh, that last clearly meaning the, its fruits. Wisdom is justified by its fruits. And that the only way to be fruitful with respect to a sinner is to show yourself as one who really cares for them. Um, Luke's gospel illustrates how Jesus really is a friend of sinners. Uh, when the sinful woman anointed his feet and her sins were forgiven in Luke 7, 36 to 50. Jesus said of her, therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven. She has loved much. Uh, that's the 47th verse. And of course these passages remind us of that beautiful hymn, uh, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. And the verses rehearse how Jesus has been a friend to us as sinners. But it seems perfectly fair to me, to, with respect to most of those verses, to say that, that that can be a model for us in trying to be a friend to a sinner. So he is a strength in our weakness. And we have an opportunity to be a strength in the weakness of another as they battle with sin. Um, he offers help in sorrow. And we have an opportunity to grieve with those who grieve uh, with respect to their sin. And he is uh, a friend to sinners in that he guides and keeps them. And we have an opportunity with respect to sinners to give them guidance and direction and to be, as it were, a protector, to stand uh, for them as a creature created in the image of God and not to be discarded wantonly, but who with repentance and faith can come to new life. 
so I think that's an especially important element of uh, how we ought to think about our possibilities for ministry. Uh, then eighthly, I think we ought to be committed that if we uh, have same-sex attracted people in our lives in some way to pray for them regularly. Um, the... Um, the power of prayer we heard so beautifully about on Sunday. It was such a powerful sermon. Um, the uh, To pray for these folks regularly that the Lord would grant them a deep desire that can only be satisfied in the love of Jesus. Remember we talked about the impulsive power of a new affection from that great sermon by Thomas Chalmers. Well, we that's what we need to pray for for these folks, um, that the Lord would grant them such powerful desires that can only be satisfied in the love of Jesus and uh, that that will be liberating and freeing uh, for them. Well, then finally, um, and uh, this is certainly overall, but nothing I've said thus far suggests that we can draw back in the least from what may seem like the hard truth. And we need to speak that truth in love. We need to be plain that any sexual behavior outside of God's good design in marriage, marriage between one man and one woman, is sin. But at the same time, God is good and gracious delighting to forgive sin and to grant grace to walk by repentance and faith. We have known God's grace and forgiveness ourselves. And so we ought to be powerfully anxious to have others share in that blessed way of life. But it's only by having the courage to affirm a truth uh, that's going to be mocked and hated and slandered. Um, but it's only that truth that can set uh, such folk free, that can set any of us free. So there we had a f- uh, at least some counsel so far as uh, we have time for tonight to lay out a course uh, that might be an encouragement and a help to you as you think about trying to care for same-sex attracted people in light of the uh, report, uh, questions, comments, reflections, objections. <laughs> um. David, I guess the thing that I'm maybe not totally surprised at, because as we went through this Adam from report, the thing that encouraged me, it as we were going through it on these Wednesday nights was that it opened um, up of the f- not focusing only on homosexuality right. but that all sins and it, it appears that the way that the General Assembly approached it they only focused in on that rather than looking at the whole report which was so well done at looking at human nature and human our sin and and our potential 
anyway, I'm I'm a little disappointed that it seems like that's what they focused in on only that. On the uh, overtures on the Book of Church Order. Right. Yeah, I th- I, I I am too, Bonnie. But I'll tell you, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> oh, good. Well, we were it could have been so much worse. You know, Doctor Gerstner used to say, "We love to sing showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need." Uh, but there are so many times when we have to be glad just that there are mercy drops around me falling. <laughs> 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 uh, any other comments or reflections or co- uh, questions? Uh, I'm sorry if you said this and I just missed it. Were those meditations things that, that you wrote up yourself? They weren't something circulated at, at GA. No, those are just some things that I put together uh, in the week since we've last met. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, they were wonderful. Um, really, Rich, I don't know, I don't want to make more work for you, but I know I was uh, quickly trying to write notes. If you've got anything written, you can... Oh, sure, I'd be glad to send it around. It's only two pages, I think. I, I mean, there, it's just bullet points, but if it would help, yeah, I'd be glad to send it out tonight. Sure, thank you very much. They were really well uh, worth meditating on. I, I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a jazz theologian. Uh, I, I like to uh, extemporize uh, while I'm talking. So uh, maybe not everything that I said is there on the page, but you'd have your own opportunity to do some riffs then. I've never thought of those two together, jazz <laughs> and theology. I learned a new trick. <laughs> Other thoughts or reflections or concerns that you have on any of this? All right. Well, it has been... Oh, Deb, please. I just wanted to mention along the lines of Bonnie's comment, um, the first book, it's actually listed under Books for Pastors and Sessions, the book by Sam Albury. I had heard him speak on Whitehorse Inns a number of years ago on these issues, and because he was such wonderful, so good, his talk was so excellent, I bought the book and I read it, and it was wonderful for me as a lay person, thinking through some of these things and trying to know how to speak with young adults who at the time were asking me well why do christians believe this and that and what why do you not approve um, of marriage between same-sex individuals but i just thought it was a a a wonderfully eye-opening book it just it, it really it's short it's a quick read and it 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 does a very good job of placing homosexuality in in the overall context of sin and in particular sexual sin. 
Wonderful, Deb. Thank you for that testimony. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a help for others as they think what they want to read further. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, thank you all for um, being so patient to go 14 weeks on this subject. But it, it is uh, an, a very important subject and one that's enormously complicated. And and I, we all see that it took us far further afield than just this subject. And it enriched our understanding on many parts of the Christian life for anyone. And uh, so in that sense, it was certainly a rich and fruitful uh, study. I'm planning not to hold class next Wednesday night uh, because... Um, I don't think there's going to be a roof on our house next Wednesday, and <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of chaos is going on going to go on around here. I've never had a roof replaced before, and uh, ours is 10 years overdue. So um, I, I don't want to get in a place where uh, I'm incapacitated to prepare, <laughs> prepare properly. So we'll skip next week and we'll be back to work uh, the week following. I'll send out a note just to remind you of that. Um, but if there's nothing else, um, let me close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, um, how kind you have been to us over these weeks to give us such excellent teachers as the men who prepared this report and uh, who were deeply desirous of serving you and serving the cause of the gospel and serving the needs of sinners, such as we all are. And we pray that um, this wisdom uh, would be proven in its children, that it would bear fruit among us in the way in which we can be better servants uh, to bring Christ's glory and to be uh, part of gathering his sheep to himself. And uh, Father, we pray for the PCA in this year ahead, that there would be uh, clear-sightedness, uh, restraint, uh, wisdom, in how the presbyteries deal with these overtures as they come down. And we pray that as the uh, Human Sexuality Report is published uh, by um, our Discipleship Ministries publishing arm, uh, that it will be a wonderful and useful thing for the church more broadly. Um, we thank you for um, all who provided leadership in the assembly, for um, Dr. Taylor and his steady work moderating the debates for Dr. Chapel, his leadership of the Human Sexuality Committee, the wonderful work he did in uh, organizing and focusing that labor. And we thank you for the chairman of the Overtures Committee, Scott Barber, that did such a tremendous job in guiding that committee toward its in its labors toward uh, completing the work before the assembly was over. And so, Father, we pray that you'd be with us in the days ahead, and uh, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>